0: watching this book from you uh, into our uh, church service with us tonight and we pray that it will be a blessing to you. We are extremely encouraged because uh, some of the people beforehand that um, this past Sunday before service was ended we had 600 views online but uh, since then the service has been watched uh, a thousand times. So it's had a thousand views, rather, not so sure if they've uh, watched the whole entire service. But nevertheless, there has uh, been, there's, uh, we're getting people to follow the page and people that is letting us know that just as soon as this leaves, uh the sicknesses and stuff like that, that they would uh, be coming here. So we are just encouraged. And I was reminded of that scripture that do not, uh, don't despise the day of small beginnings. And so we just know that the Lord's hand is in this, and uh, is blessing, as blessed, is blessing, and we'll continue to bless. Uh, it's not about us, but it's about who we preach. Amen. Uh, just a few announcements. Again, just remember, um, Sunday morning service, Sunday evening, as of right now, we will have services coming Sunday. Some of the surrounding counties have already begun to do the uh, stay-at-home Uh, And to where they are not allowing more gatherings and attend. And of course, we want to ban compliance. And so, if that was to happen to come to Yakin County, we would reach out by the way of internet, telephone calls, and let you guys know uh, we would still have service online. We would just do the praise and worship team, and I would preach there online uh, if that's what happens. But we're hoping and praying that it won't. And as of right now, I think Yakin County hasn't had any uh, cases of the coronavirus, which is wonderful. But uh, nevertheless, so we've taken it day by day. Because it seems like the regulations are changing each and Remember the services again for this weekend. Starting next Thursday, April the 2nd, we will be uh, having prayer meeting here at 7 o'clock on Thursday evenings. Uh, so I, I implore you and invite you to come out and pray. Of course, every day should be a day of prayer and seeking the Lord, but we want to come together because there's something about corporate prayer and coming together in unity, in agreement, uh, believing the Lord and seeking the Lord's face. So. Again, starting next Thursday, April the 2nd, 7, also April the 18th, I know that we've mentioned it about the breakfast for the first responders uh, and for our uh, the police departments uh, and sheriff's department here in Yankee County. As of right now, we are going to go ahead and go on with this and do it. Uh, if something was to change and we need to push it, that we're hosting this breakfast for, and, uh, Prayer requests that we got coming in. I know there's many needs. Uh, I believe some prayer requests were coming in. By the way, this past Sunday, we just want to let you guys know that we're praying for you. Uh, those of you that submitted needs unto us, we're lifting you up in prayer and believing the Lord to move upon those situations. Remember, uh, Sister Paula's a sister, and brother-in-law. Um, he has had to go to the hospital, uh, and she told me he's a paraplegic. Uh, paralegic and uh, so you know right now he, he needs to definitely be lifted up uh, before the Lord as well as remember all of those that are affected and sick it seems like the numbers are rising every day throughout our country as well as the whole entire uh, world of those that are getting infected with the, this coronavirus uh, and of course we know that this uh, disease a lot of the numbers the reason why are rising is because that are now being given out, and those that are being test uh, that are being tested positive for. But we want to lift them up. I am encouraged because it looks like that uh, the numbers are sort but slowly but surely slowing down a little bit. Some of the other countries, but as well that they are testing medicines and hoping that they have got um, some treatments to be able to treat the people that are infected. And I know the Lord's hand is in this because I do believe uh, that the. Uh, church is rising up and praying and seeking the face of God. and you know I was listening to something the other day and the, the question come up that if all the church would come together and pray but you know I, that's not necessarily the case. the truth is God only needs just a few to come together in agreement. And that can turn this whole situation around. Amen. As he said in his word, where any two or three, uh, well, any two will come together in agreement in my name, they shall be done. And, and, you know, Moses interceded on behalf of the children of Israel and the Lord repented of what he was going to do, the Bible says. So we just need men and women, boys and girls that will believe God, that know how to pray, that will uh, seek the face of God and ask him to turn this situation around. And I believe that there are prayers going up and I believe the Lord is hearing the cries of his children. And we are just believing that this whole thing's going to turn right around. And like I wrote on the Facebook today, I believe the church will be stronger than ever before. Yeah. I believe that some of this is just to uh, wake us up and uh, getting us prepared for what the Lord wants to do. And. Uh, God knows we need Him. We need Him to visit us one more time, and one more time. I believe He's going to do it before the return of the Lord, and of course, we're going to spirit in great ways. And we're just so happy and so thrilled to be able to be a part of that and to be alive. It's exciting to be alive. And a lot of people are scared and and fearful and all that, but perfect love casts that off here, and uh, there is no fear here. In fact, we we know and, and we have believed and we know who's watching over us and who is taking care of us and and then, of course, we know that we're on the winning side. Amen. And so we are just, um, again, happy to be here where the Lord has got us here. So anyway, those are the prayer requests. And uh, if you have any, we encourage you, those that are watching online, send us in your prayer requests. I was going to put it out about an hour ago, but I thought maybe it wouldn't be enough time uh, for me to be able to get them all written down. So. If you have prayer requests, needs, submit them to us and we will definitely include you in the bulletin and we will be praying and lifting it up because uh, prayer works and prayer changes things. And uh, I just feel impressed upon my heart that there are many out there that feel like they're all alone. But just want to remind you that you're not alone. Jesus is there with you. And, And send them in to us, and we will lift you up and and pray for those needs and pray that God uh, will move upon. So send those in, and if you have any that you want included into the bulletin, see Stacy or I, and we can get them included into the bulletin. Amen. So let's go to the Lord in prayer before we get into the uh, Bible study tonight. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you tonight in the mighty name of your Son, Jesus. And Lord, we are so thankful, Lord, for yet another opportunity to be able to gather into your house, Lord. God, we thank you, Lord, for the privilege, Lord, to approach the throne room of grace, Lord, knowing that God's blood had to be shed, Lord, to make it all possible, Lord. God, we know, Lord, that right now to even be able to call you Father, Lord, and know that we are identified as sons and daughters of the Most High King, Lord. Again, there had to be one that was sent, Lord. One that was shed his blood, Lord, so that it would make it all possible. And that one is Jesus Christ, our great high priest, who's already went before us, Lord. Who is down upon the right hand of the Father, Lord. And we thank you that even right now, Lord, you are making intercession on behalf of your children, Lord. And we are so thankful that you are praying for us, that you are interceding for us, Lord. God, we lift your name up on high. We thank you for every blessing, Lord, that you have bestowed upon us, Lord. And God, we thank you, Lord, for the salvation that we have and knowing that, God, in the day and hour that we're living in, God, that we know that you're soon to appear, Lord. God, we as your children do not have to fear, Lord, because we have a peace that abides in deep within us Lord a peace that the world doesn't know but a peace that only comes from you Lord and we are so thankful for it and God we pray that that peace Lord God would be experienced by those in our families by our friends by our co-workers that do not know you Lord and God we pray right now that the spirit of conviction Lord would go to them and would convict them of their sins, Lord, that you would draw them, Lord, into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Lord, we lift up our parents, Lord, our children, our brothers and sisters, our uncles and aunts, Lord, we lift them up. God and Lord we cry out on behalf upon them Lord interceding Lord God and asking that Lord you would move upon their soul and that you would draw them to repentance Lord and that that repentance Lord would lead into salvation Lord, for those that are sick Lord in their bodies Lord we still know that we serve the healer God Lord we still believe in divine healing we still believe in laying hands upon those that are sick God we still take you at your word Lord and right now all of those that are sick in body that are here Lord God or that are watching by the way of internet Lord we ask right now that the healing hand of virtue power would flow to them right now Lord your Holy Spirit Lord is not bound by these four walls Lord but but they go Lord God wherever it is needed and Lord we ask that you would touch your people Lord God right now in the name of Jesus that Lord you would heal Lord every manner of diseases and sicknesses Lord that is upon their body Lord because we know our healing is still in the atonement Lord and God we ask Lord that you would lift up those that are that are fighting and, and, and for the enemy Lord that are oppressed and Lord and up underneath anxiety Lord we pray that that Lord praise would fill their mouth Lord and that God that spirit of oppression that spirit of anxiety and fear would lift up all your children Lord right now in Jesus we continue to lift up our country Lord those that are in government the leaders Lord God our president and God we ask Lord that you would give them the knowledge and the wisdom that they need Lord God we pray Lord that you would just flow through them Lord and that God there would be a remedy a cure Lord for this disease sickness Lord that is out there and that God it would be driven out right now in the name of Jesus and that Lord every person that is infected by it Lord every person that is sick Lord we ask Lord saved or not saved God that you would heal them right now in the name of Jesus Lord that God you would move upon this situation that Lord you would perform the miracle Lord that we know that you're able to do God that Lord your name would be glorified Lord throughout all of the land father we love you and we praise you again opportunity anoint us tonight to teach your word help us Lord to rightly divide it God and Lord we know that Lord it will touch the people Lord it will forever give you praise for it all in Jesus name everyone said amen, amen and amen so we're going to be preaching and teaching again on the uh, topic of justification we started it last week and so I called it justification part one and so this will be justification part two and I was talking to my wife, before coming to church, and asked her, had she, growing up, did she hear the, uh, the terminology of justification? And, and she couldn't say that she did. And it was a word that was lost, I think, uh, way back in the day, and, and that people didn't really understand what justification was they, and is. They, they, they knew that you had to be born again. And you that you had to have your sins washed away, which is absolutely right, in order to be able to enter into the kingdom of God, in order to be saved, to have eternal life. But the terminology of justification was lost. Uh, in fact, when I had come back to the Lord some years ago and, and hearing about this, it was brand new to my ears that I had never heard before. And if we don't understand justification, as I said last week, then number one, we don't really understand who we are in Christ. We have to understand who we are in Christ and what we have because of Christ. And we've got to get this down pat and understand the peace that accompanies uh, this justification that is taking place. and, And because of the transformation that has come forth. Because if we don't understand this, then we'll never understand sanctification. If we don't understand how the Holy Spirit worked in order to justify us, and of course we know it's by the blood of Jesus Christ, and knowing that the Holy Spirit comes in and dwells and takes up residence within the heart life of a believer that has just said yes to Jesus, then we'll never begin to understand the role of the Holy Spirit in sanctification. And unfortunately, the reason why people think that they were, they're were sanctified by their works or that the, the responsibility is laid upon them, a lot of it piggies back upon the fact that they think that they have to continue to do a series of works to stay justified. Many, and rightfully so, they love the Lord, they understand that they're not justified by their works, that they're justified by faith, but they feel like that they've got to continue to do a series of works in order to stay justified. But let me tell you, the same way that you came in is the same way that we stay in. And I know that I've said it before, and you'll hear me say it a lot of times, and we've got to get a hold of this because it is so easy for that religious mindset to to rise up uh, each and every single day and making us think that we've got to perform a series or not perform a series of do's and don'ts in order to be able to stay safe. But your salvation is not predicated upon what you do or what you don't do. It's predicated upon who you believe in. In only that. Okay? So we want to read a couple of scriptures tonight. I know last week we read in Romans chapter 3, verses 19 and 20. And we'll read them again. This is, Now we know that what things uh, soever the law says, it says to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped. And all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. And before I read any longer, it lays it out here plain and clear that through the deeds of the law there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. The only sight that matters, the only point of view that matters is God's. And in his sight, if one is trying to be justified by the law, when at this time here that the Paul was speaking and referencing of the law of Moses but whether it be the law of Moses or whether it be any man-made devised law no law whatsoever can justify us in the eyes of God again we are an unholy people we are an unrighteous people we are sin-laden people we are filthy and, and our pastor's wife in the other church says it like this that we're a filthy bag of trash and within ourselves we are we're no good and unfortunately, uh, many within the church don't like to view themselves as that, but we are without Christ. In Christ, we know we have a spotless righteousness, that we are pure, we are holy because of the blood of Jesus Christ. But within ourselves, we are no good. We are wretched. Yes, we were wretched before we came to know Jesus, but even after Jesus. Within ourselves, upon our own, we are still wretched. The only thing that separates us from that position in that place that we were once in is the blood of Jesus Christ. The reason why you don't do the things that you one time used to do, or you don't talk the way you used to talk, your walk has changed, you don't go to the same places that you one time did, uh, your mindset's different. is not because of anything that you've done, but it's because of the power of God that has came in and transformed your life. You think about it, the divine nature... Has has been imparted unto you. That sin nature that was there, that was ruling and reigning, is now dormant, has been rendered powerless. There's a shield, if you will, around it. And the divine nature, God, the Holy Spirit, has come inside and is now leading and now guiding you. And He has changed your desires because God's desires is holiness. God's desires and His nature is against sin. So now you've got His nature that is within inside of you that wants to abstain from sin. But think about it. That desire did just come out of nowhere. That desire comes from God, the Holy Spirit, that is living inside of you. And I don't think that it's said enough and I don't think that we get it. The Holy Spirit, God, the Holy Spirit, the third member of the Trinity, is living inside of you. And the reason why He's living inside of you is not because of anything that you do or you don't do. It's because you've been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. Your sins have been washed away. You are now a clean temple if you will. And the Holy Spirit can come inside and can now dwell. He can't dwell in an unclean temple. Absolutely right. But the reason why He dwells in you is not because you've cleaned yourself up or not because of anything that you do or don't do. But it's because the blood of Jesus Christ has come in and again, He has cleansed and taken away the past, the present, and future sickness. And that's why the Holy Spirit can live inside and can now lead and can now guide and can now counsel and can now comfort and convict. He still does these things. He still convicts us of our wrongdoing. You know, and that's good. We need that. We need to be convicted because he's trying to say, no, that ain't right to ever conform us more into the image of Christ. Amen. So we'll go on and read verse 21. It says, But now the righteousness of God... Without the law was manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them who believe. For there is no difference. Verse 23 and 24 is where our text will come from tonight. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So again, all have sinned, meaning that we're all on the same playing field. You, me, and every person that has ever lived and every person that has breath coming out of their body, all of us have sinned. It does not matter how good we are. It doesn't matter uh, who who, who puts our name in the spotlight. It doesn't matter anything that we've done. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And as I said last week in the Greek, it means that even the most righteous, that we are continuously coming short of the glory of God. It doesn't matter whoever the godliest person on the world may be. It doesn't matter uh, uh, who the person is and how long they've been saved. We still come short of the glory of God. Being justified by our faith means that our position is locked in, but our condition is ever trying to be brought up to our position. Our position is in Christ, which deems us as righteous, which deems us as holy, which deems us as having a spotless righteousness, which has us ready to be able to receive eternal life with him. But our condition is nowhere near our position in Christ. Because our position in Christ is we're perfect and we're holy. And I know that if we go around here, we would all say none of us are perfect. We still have faults. We still have failures. Those bad thoughts want to enter in our mind and want to get in our heart real quick. All of these things can still happen. And all of that is because of the sin nature that is still there. That will always be there until the day that we say yes to Jesus. Christ. You know, we get up on Sundays and we get to go to the house of the Lord and we're surrounded by like-minded believers and those dates seem to be a little bit easier but then here comes Monday and here comes Tuesday and you're having to go out into the world and you're not necessarily surrounded by a bunch of believers. You're surrounded by a bunch of people that don't love the Lord that are not saved, that are using every four-letter word, that they don't care who you say that you serve and who you love and then we're people and people can get on our nerves and, and make us mad and then all of a sudden these things can rise up within us. See, the Holy Spirit is ever trying to conform us. Again, to, to make us more like Him. So our condition is nowhere in our position. And our condition is ever being changed. So the Holy Spirit has come in to ever try to change us and to make us more like Christ. That's where that old song comes from, to be like Jesus. I just want to be like Jesus. Well, you can't transform yourself you can't transform yourself and you can't conform yourself that's the role and the job of the Holy Spirit for him to come in and to change us okay so all of us have sinned and it means that we're on the same playing field so there had to be a, a plan that God would come up with that we know that Peter said that was for, that was ordained and before the foundations of the world that God would become man and, and there be incarnated and come through uh, the virgin birth like that to be the substitute for you and I so that we can be saved. God is so holy, but sin is so bad that he cannot even speak sin out of existence. There had to be a sacrifice. And that sacrifice was not nothing new. It was always uh, portrayed in types of shadows and was carried out in the Old Testament, which shows us of the one who would come. It's all the way back in, in, in Genesis. There we see uh, as soon as Adam fell and he sinned and their, their, the righteousness that they had was gone. They found themselves as naked and all of a sudden they run from the Lord, which is what man tries to do when he is sinned. He runs from the Lord. And what was the first words that God spoke to Adam? He didn't condemn him. He just simply said, where are you? And that's what he's saying now. Where are you? A lot of times we mess up and we want to run from the Lord. Well, we should be running to the Lord. Right. we got to remember God is not like man is down here. God is not going to slap you around. He's not there to condemn you. He's not there to judge you. He's there with arms wide open. And when we fail, like that, when we mess up, we're to run to him. But yet, unfortunately, the world is running from him. And there, Adam and Eve tried to make fig leaves to cover up their nakedness. Try to hide their sin. That's exactly what man is doing today. They're not necessarily going out and getting big leads in that manner, but they're trying to cover up their sin. They're trying to atone, if you will, of their sin with works, with good deeds. And none of those things can take away your sin. Only the blood of Jesus Christ can. Okay? So without the cross, you and I have nothing. So when we talk about there's no peace, There's no joy, there's no leading and guidance of the Holy Spirit, there's no answered prayers, and most importantly, there's no salvation. Without the cross of Christ, there is no salvation, okay? So, because we have been saved, because we have received uh, justification, because we've been justified by faith, we have received His righteousness. Now, think about that. There are no different levels of salvation, And I can remember growing up like that to where we, some people were viewed as more holy or more righteous. But the person that just got saved two weeks ago is just as righteous and holy as the one who's been serving the Lord for 50 years. Mm -hmm. There are no different levels of righteousness. There is no different levels of holiness. But well, the moment that you say yes to Jesus Christ, you have received the righteousness of God. You have received his righteousness. You have received his holiness. And it has to be that way in order for us to be accepted. In order for us to come into the presence of God and to be accepted, we've got to have his righteousness. And that the, so, therefore it is given unto you. It has been imputed unto you the day that you said yes. The day that you believed and evidenced faith in Christ and what he's done. The righteousness of God was given unto you by through what Christ Jesus has done for us at Calvary. So yes, we hunger and we thirst for righteousness. So a lot of people take that scripture and that verse and they say, well, if we get it all there, then why is it that we're supposed to hunger for righteousness and thirst thirst for righteousness? Because of the fact that our condition is not up to our position. So we want more of him and less of us. Right? Each and every single day that should be your prayer. Lord, let me die today. Remove the flesh from me today. Remove the weeds out of my garden and give me more of you. But when you receive Christ Jesus, Jesus is holy. Jesus was righteous. Jesus was perfect. You received his perfect birth. You received his perfect life. You received his perfect death. It's all been given unto you. And thank God for that. Because if not for that, you and I wouldn't stand a chance Tonight, So your holiness is not predicated upon your works, but because of the one that you are in. And because we are in Christ Jesus, we are deemed holy. One is not deemed holy because of how long their hair is. One is not deemed holy because they they don't wear makeup or they don't dye their hair. One is not uh, deemed holy because they wear dresses down or, or they cover up their arms. Holiness is not predicated upon the outward appearance, nor is holiness predicated upon anything that we do. Our holiness is in Christ Jesus, and because we're in Christ Jesus, we are holy. And we are to live. Peter went on to say, be ye holy, for I am holy. And we, our lives should pattern and line up with the word of God. But our holiness is not based off of what we do. Our performance is based off of the performance of Jesus Christ. And because we've been baptized unto his death, that which was Him, in Him, we've been submerged, immersed into Him. Think about that. We are in Him. You and I that are walking around today, He is living inside of us and living through us. That's why Paul went on to say Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. And this life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. He's living in me. I've been crucified with Christ, but, but, and, and I'm no longer living, but nevertheless, I live, yet not I. Because it's Christ who's living inside of me, who's leading, who's guiding, who's directing. And if you're saved, he's, done, he's doing the same thing for you. He's leading, he's guiding, and he's directing, okay? John one twenty nine. John the Baptist will say, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Jesus Christ took away the sin of the world. The blood of bulls and goats that was always used in the Old Testament can never take away sin. But it acted as a covering. It acted as a covering for sin, but yet it can never take it away. Those that died before Christ, that was evidencing faith in the Messiah of the one to come went away when they died to paradise where they were comforted. But then before Christ died, those the heaven was empty because the dead of sin had not yet been atoned. They didn't go to hell, but they went to a place of paradise where they were comforted. We see that in Luke chapter 16 where you see that with Lazarus and the rich man. The rich man lifted up his eyes in hell and looked afar off and seen Abraham, uh, I mean Lazarus being comforted in Abraham's bosom. But now that Jesus Christ has came and shed his blood, there was no more need for any blood to be shed because he paid the debt of sin and he took away the past, present, and future so that now when the person dies who is in Christ Jesus they don't go on to paradise they go immediately their soul and spirit into heaven. Paradise is empty today because the debt of sin has already been paid and that's a comfort to know and to us that have lost loved ones those of you that are watching that have lost loved ones, if your family member, those were in Christ Jesus, the moment that they drew their last breath here, they took their next breath up in heaven. Amen. They are in the presence of Almighty God. Amen. So again, him taking away the sin of the world, this is atonement. He took them away never to be remembered again. So the debt of sin has been paid. Because you and I owed a debt that we could not pay. And he paid a debt that he did not own. Christ Jesus took my sin away. So this debt of sin that was owed, you and I, no matter how much good that we may do in this life, if we lived to be a thousand years old and sat around and went to church every day of our life and read our Bibles all the way through 20 times a year and, and prayed 18 hours a day and that all of these good things, there's nothing that you and I could have done or could ever do that can merit and deserve salvation. Salvation is a free gift and we're getting ready to get into it. So, want to work for something means it's no longer free. Amen? Alright, so, we are now called the sons and daughters of God. Thank you. Now, think about that. We are called the sons and daughters of God. We were once orphans. We were once aliens. We were foreigners, if you will, to, to, to the Lord. But because our elder brother has came in and paid the debt of sin and become our substitute, he's bridged the gap that was there between you and God. Jesus Christ bridged that gap, so that now, and He came in and reconciled us back to God. So now that we can be called the sons and daughters. I mean, that, there's nothing more wonderful than that. To be able to say that I am a son of God. That when I go before him and I say, Father, in the name of Jesus, that That's is signifying relationship. Those of us that have kids like that and, and that are speaking and they call us Dad or, or Mama, just like that. We know our children's voice. We know their cry. And when they say that, that is signifying relationship. When you talk to your mom, you talk to your dad, that signifies relationship. And the moment that you say, Father, in the name of Jesus, and you go before him, You've got the ear of the Father because He said, yes, my child. Think about that. I mean, the moment that you say, Father, you've got the ear of the Father, the creator of this world, the one that's in control of everything that created the heavens and the earth, that, that owns it all, you've got Him listening to you. And I don't think that we realize that sometimes. The, the, the privilege that we have to enter, enter into prayer. But that's another message for another time. So being justified freely by His grace. Verse 24. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So talking about justification by faith. There's four words within this verse that we want to emphasize. That we want to talk about. So the first word that we want to deal with is justification. So where He says being justified freely. So justified by our faith, meaning again, in the eyes of God, you are not guilty of any charges that has been or may be brought against you. When a person is convicted of a crime, they go into the courtroom and there the judge reads the crimes that has been brought against them. And so spiritually speaking, you uh, to be justified means that you've been brought into the courtroom and there the enemy is trying to accuse you. You've got you had a list of sins, but now they're not because of what Jesus Christ has done. They have been taken away because Jesus Christ is your augur. Now, think about it. You're not just not guilty. You're innocent of all charges. Not guilty is totally different than being innocent. Not guilty means that charges have still been brought against you. There just wasn't enough evidence to convict you of the crime. But you're not just not guilty. You're innocent of all charges. So when the enemy is coming and constantly accusing the brethren, which we see in Job that he is forever doing. When he is accusing the brethren, God says, I don't know what you're talking about. I see the blood of Jesus Christ. There's no charges that have been brought against you. The past ones, the present and the future, they're all gone because he's paid the debt of sin. So all men are guilty before coming to know Jesus Christ. But the moment that you say yes to Jesus Christ, you've been justified and you've now been from being guilty to not just not guilty, but to innocent of all charges. In the mind of God, you are viewed as one who has never sinned a day in your life. Now think about that. But that's the way that it has to be. Because if it wasn't for that, then God can never justify us. Because if he did, then he would be right. He would maintain and and be able to say that he's still holy. Because he cannot condone sin in any manner, shape, form, or fashion. But because of the blood of Jesus Christ that has taken away our sins, we are now presented faultless and blameless, the Bible says, before God. So now the charges that were there, he took them all away. Jesus Christ stepped up on the scene. He is our lawyer. He pled our case. And now we were found innocent. So the chains that were there, that we were bound around our knees and shackled all the way around, they were dropped right then and there. The day that he said yes to Jesus Christ, the power of sin was broken. The penalty of sin was taken away. And now, because you were deemed innocent, Jesus said, go free. Just as he told the woman who was drugged in front of him that had been caught in the act of adultery, he said, where are thine accusers? She said, Lord, there is none. He said, neither do I condemn thee. He didn't condemn her because she evidenced faith. The moment that she said, Lord, think about it. She didn't go through a whole long list of prayer. She didn't have to plead and beg. The moment that she said, Lord, that one word, she was evidenced in faith in him that he was the son of the living God. And that's why he could look at her and say, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. You don't have to keep living that same lifestyle because I've just set you free. So when Jesus there before the Father Lord has has deemed us innocent, he's taken away the charges. We've been freed from the penalty of sin that we were deserving of, that we were owed, which is eternal hell. But on top of that, he took away the power of sin so that now we could go free. Free to live for him. I said I'm free to run. I'm free to dance. I'm free to live for Him now because the chains that was binding me has now been broken off of our life. Okay, so that first word there, justification, meaning free from sin and free from all charges that were there. You think about it with the children of Israel. And getting ready to deal with the last plague where God has said that he was going to bring the death angel by and was going to uh, kill those there within the camp. And he said, he told the children of Israel, told Moses to tell them to take the blood with the hyssop and to put it on the doorpost. And he said, because when I see the blood, I will pass over you you got to remember, the reason why death won't come your way and you don't have to die a spiritual death is because he sees the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. And let me tell you something else. As long as they stayed in the house, they were safe. But the moment that they stepped outside of the house, they were doomed to die. So it's not predicated upon anything that you and I do, our failures, our successes, and how we live. As long as we remain in the house... As long as we remain in the vine, we're going to make it, amen? Because again, he said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. He didn't say when I see your membership to a church. He didn't say when I see the denomination that you belong to. He didn't say when I see how much you throw in an offering plate. He didn't say when I see what kind of good works you do. He said when I see the blood, I will pass over you. The children of Israel, let me tell you, they were deserving of death just as much as they even were. All of us are deserving of death. But what has taken the consequence and the penalty of sin away is because of the blood of Jesus Christ. You and I are no than the one that is out in the world that has not accepted Jesus Christ because of anything that we've done. It's because of who we believe in and because of who we have accepted and because of who abides within our heart and within our life. There's two classes of people upon this world and it's redeemed and unredeemed. It's not, well, some group is more good and some group is more bad. No, all of us have sinned and come short of glory of God. That's saved and unsaved. folks, And the only difference between you and them is that the blood of Jesus Christ has been applied. That's the only difference between you and and, and us that are saved and those that are lost and out in the world today. And we have to remind ourselves of that because unfortunately sometimes that self-righteous attitude can creep in, that Pharisee spirit that can creep in, and say. Well, look at me. I don't do X, Y, and Z. Well, Lord, I don't do that. Well, I never done that. Well, we're really not that bad. And before long, we are placing our faith within ourselves and our faith within our own performance because we're going to do something. And when we do that, we're, we're careful. We're not careful. We will fall from grace. Because this is the church of Ephesus had, had, was doing all of these things. They were mindful of all of this stuff. They were quick to make sure that they wouldn't let false prophets say it. But then the Lord said, nevertheless, I've got one thing against you, that you've left your first love. You quit depending upon your first love. You quit depending upon the cross. You took your faith away from Christ and what he's done. And you were depending upon yourself. And he told them, come back. Come back and do the first works over. And there's many in the church today and that they have left their first love. They are looking to themselves. They're not truly solely depending upon Christ and what he has done. And let me tell you, again, the only thing that stands between you And hell, between me and hell, between anybody and hell, is the cross of Christ. That's the only thing that stands between us and hell. It's the cross. That's why Paul said, For I've determined to not know anything else among you save Christ and Him crucified. You think tonight, the only reason why you and I won't die and go to hell is because of the cross of Christ. And so for us to get away from that and to be emphasizing anything else, which is always going to be self, when you don't talk about Christ and what He has done, it's dangerous grounds. Because little by little, what has happened in the church today is that they're no longer depending upon what Christ has done. They initially depended upon him for salvation, but when you take your faith away from Christ and what he's done, and you begin to put it in other things, if you're not careful over a long period of time, you will find yourself, and i see people in the church, that they're no longer even depending upon the blood to stay saved. They're looking at their own selves. That's why we see people, they, they never talk about the blood. They never talk about the cross. How can we that are saved by the power of God never lift up Jesus Christ? Never talk about the blood. Never talk about the cross of Christ. Never talk about what he there did for us because if it was not for that, you and I would be sitting here today. It wasn't anything else that took me out of the pit of sin that I was in except the cross of Christ, the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why I'm here today. That's why I stand here today preaching the gospel because of what he did 2,000 years ago and because of what I said saying yes to him, what he did in the past still is having present effects today. The blood of Jesus Christ still saves. Amen. So again, justified being the first word. The second word, freely. The Greek word is Dorian meaning gratis, without cause, or gratuitously. So this tells us how that we're justified. You being brought into right relationship with the Lord came at a price. But it's not a price that you paid. It's a price that he paid with his life. He freely gave his life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. This salvation that you and I have tonight is not because of anything that we've worked for or anything that we've earned. It was a free gift. If I were at Christmas time or at birthdays, when we give gifts to people, we don't give them that gift and then look at us and say, now you owe me $20. And if that person was to try to pay you for it, you would almost be offended because you have gained that gift out of the side of your heart because you, you wanted to do that. They didn't have to do anything to earn it. You wanted to give them that gift or vice versa. You have been recipient of gifts that people wanted to give you because they loved you, because they cared for you. They wanted you to know how much they appreciate you. God gave us a gift, the greatest gift that any man that could, that could get, and it was free, a free gift. We have made salvation so hard within the church. We have said, yes, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish and have everlasting life. We say, absolutely. You've got to say yes to Jesus Christ. Ask him to forgive you of all your sins. And then we start rattling off a bunch of stuff. Salvation is simple. It is faith and grace. By grace ye are saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. Salvation is so simple. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It is simple as that. You shall be saved, not maybe be saved, not and also do this. No, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The thief on the cross said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He was saved. A lot of people say, well, I don't believe in death-side confessions. Well, again, you must not believe the story of the thief on the cross. I have had the privilege and the opportunity to be able to lead a one like that. And I know without a shadow of doubt because that's the grace of God. That's how powerful the grace of God is. Even those that can be minutes and hours away from dying, even if they cannot utter it out of their mouth, if they just think upon the name of Jesus, if they just say Jesus within their heart, right then and there, the blood of Jesus comes in, washes all of their sins away, and makes them ready for heaven. Now, a lot of self-righteous people, we get mad at that statement because they want to see them prove the sincerity of their salvation. They want to see them go on and out and live this life. No, no, no. You and I are not the judge. He's the judge. And if they have said yes to Jesus Christ, I don't care if they're five minutes away from taking their last breath. The grace of God will come in, will wash them, will cleanse them, and make them ready for heaven. And they will go right on to be where you and I long to be one day. And if we don't believe it, and if that's not the case, then you and I don't stand a chance. See, we like to judge other people based off of their failures. We like to judge their salvation based off of what they've done or what they haven't done. But salvation is not based upon our performance or from what we do, even on down to our failures. It's based upon what he has done. And we got to get that. Our salvation is because of what Jesus Christ has done. OK, so God required no price of any nature from the sinner, respecting the glorious gift of salvation. In fact, that there is any payment that is tried to be made to God for this free gift is considered an insult and is instantly nullified. The spirit of Cain is, is alive much and well today, in today's time. It has always been that way. You've got Cain and you've got Abel. And the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 11, uh, we see that it was the, the uh, faith chapter was started out there with Abel. Abel offered up a better sacrifice. Cain offered up the labor of his own hands. That is what man without God is trying to do. They don't want to deny themselves. They don't want to say that what was done at Calvary's cross, number one, is the only way that I can give in. And number two, doesn't want to truly believe that their sin is that bad, that it took the death of Jesus Christ, suffering and enduring all of the torture and pain that he endured for them. They think somehow that they can offer up their good works in order to receive from the Lord this gift of salvation. But again, the moment that any payment is added to this, it is considered an insult to God. It is abhorrent to God. The one that tries to come before the Lord will say, Lord, look what I have done is going to be rejected. Because again, salvation is not based off of merit. God, when a person is trying to present works to the Lord and is trying to work their way in heaven, they are in essence saying that God is in debt to them. God is in debt to no man. You and I are in debt to him. And again, it's a debt that you and I cannot pay for our sin. But that's where Jesus Christ came in and said, I'll pay the debt so that they can now go in. They don't have to do anything. They couldn't do anything to begin with. Just believe upon me. And you shall have eternal life. Okay. So again, justification being the first word freely being the second word, the third word Grace. The Greek word is charis, meaning to signify favor done out of generosity of the heart with no expectation of return. Grace is the goodness of God extended to an undeserving people. When He saved your soul, you did not deserve it. When He saved my soul, I did not deserve it. God has extended grace unto us. That's why the greatest song that could ever be sung by the child of god in my opinion is amazing grace it's the anthem of christianity amazing grace has come in i, I know it but then when i get up to start talking about it, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me you are a wretch I was a wretch. I once was blind, but now I see. You were blind to the things of God. You were walking around spiritually speaking like blind Bartimaeus. And you were feeling your way through the world. You had nowhere to go. You were in total darkness. You were blind, but Jesus Christ came in and touched you, saved you, redeemed you. And now you can see all because of what he's done. Grace gives to us what we don't deserve. Mercy keeps us from what we do deserve. You and I deserve hell tonight. You and I deserve the wrath and the judgment of God. That's what you and I deserve. But mercy came in and rewrote our life. And grace was extended unto us and was given out to us what we do not deserve. I don't deserve heaven. I don't deserve relationship with him. I don't deserve the Holy Spirit leading and guiding and dwelling inside. And neither do us. But that's what grace is. It's it's God's riches, that acronym that we like to use. God's riches at Christ's expense. God is able to now extend to you uh, all of His blessings Because of what Jesus Christ did on Calvary's cross. You want to know what the blessings are and how great they are? Read Deuteronomy chapter 28. The blessings shall overtake you. We can now have healing. We can now have joy, peace, uh, comfort. We can have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit. Prayer, being answered, communion with God. All of these things because of what Jesus Christ did. And all of it is an act of grace. Grace grace, okay? Again, grace was extended. Uh, It's the generosity of God's heart, of love, with no expectation of return. Meaning no strings attached what God did for you what descending his, his Son, what Jesus Christ did for you and laying out his life was an act of grace and he demands nothing in return but your life. Just love me, accept me, live for me, love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, mind strength, your whole entire being follow him that's what he wants from you. He just wants us to follow him. That's the greatest call that will ever be upon the person. It's not pastoring a church. It's not standing up here behind a podium. It's not being a worship leader. The greatest call that you will ever have upon your heart and life is to follow Jesus. To follow Jesus. The greatest call that would ever be there is to follow him. Okay? And redemption being the fourth word. So we got justified. We got freely. We've got grace. And it's through the redemption. Uh, that is in Christ Jesus. So Christ redeemed us by buying from us from the slave market of sin that we were on. Now maybe I can imagine that that you know you see this podium here and here I am standing on here and and spiritually speaking I am in rags. I am dirty. I am filthy. My hair is matted. I mean I'm just bruised all up. I would not be wanted by anybody. And there I was on the slave market of sin. There you were on the slave market of sin. And there every demon power there was wanting you there. You belonged to the devil. But Jesus Christ stepped up and said, I'll take him. Jesus Christ stepped up and said, I'll take you. And there you were. He took you. And he took you and washed you in his precious blood. And took away all of the dirt. All of the filth. He cleaned you up. He took you from the rags that you were in. And gave you a robe of righteousness. He bought you off of that slave market of sin. And when He purchased you, He bought you to never return there ever again. We're not on that auction block of sin anymore. He has purchased us for us to never return there again. Because that's the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. It breaks every single chain. Amen. So again, dirty and filthy, but he came in and bought us back. So no amount of good works, no ordinances of the church or law obedience by the individual constitutes one being justified with God and having righteousness. Again, it is faith and grace that one is saved and it is only through faith and grace that one remains saved. Your faith in Jesus Christ is the pipeline for the grace of God to be able to flow into your life. Okay, Your faith is the pipeline for the goodness of God, for the grace of God to flow into your life that brought you salvation, that brought you redemption. And it came right through the cross of Christ. There you came to, when you came to Jesus, you came there, uh, spiritually speaking, there. If you think about it, there before what he did at Calvary's Cross, God's goodness, God's blessings is extended and it passed right through Jesus and is now given unto you. So he's the, he's the, uh, the, that that pipeline there that is able to flow into you. That grace can now flow into you. That pipeline is the, that the faith is the channel that everything from that God has can flow into us. Think about that. again, that's how grace flows, okay? But the moment that one tries to come before God and doesn't come by the way of the cross, they have taken themselves out of where grace can flow. Grace cannot flow any other way but through Jesus Christ through what he did at Calvary's cross, okay? Genesis 4, 3 and 5, 3 through 5 says, And in process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had no respect. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. You think about that. Man gets angry when they cannot be when when they're told that their works will not justify them in the eyes of God. Cain got angry, and that spirit of Cain is alive and well today. Okay, and when you look at the Hebrew word for respect, it really means to gaze, to inspect, to consider. So when God was looking down, he was gazing upon the sacrifices. He was minutely inspecting them and considering them and what was being brought before him. And I can tell you today that God, when he is looking down, he is looking at us and he is gazing upon us, each and every single person, especially that's claiming the name of Jesus Christ like that, and he's gazing upon it and inspecting the sacrifice that is being brought. Is our faith truly resting and anchoring in Christ for our salvation? Paul went on to say to examine yourselves to see if you be of the faith. We should check ourselves each and every single day because I can tell you that if we're not careful, it is very easy to slip on into that religious mindset. We have got to be checked. We've got to check our hearts, our hearts each and every single day and say, is my faith truly anchored in Christ and what he's done? Because that Phariseetic mindset can slip right on in real easy and making us think that what we do or what we don't do is the reason why we're accepted to God. And that is nothing more but self-righteousness. Might I remind us that our righteousness, Paul said, is as filthy rags. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. It's not acceptable to God. So our faith has to be anchored solely in Christ and what he has done, okay? So there's no ten ways, no five ways, or even two ways that one is justified with God. There's only one way, and it's through the cross of Christ, okay? The cross, it was and is and whatever, the instrument that God used to reconcile man back to him. There's no other way that man can be reconciled back to God except the cross of Christ. There was enmity there between you and God and the only way that fellowship can be restored, the only way that you can come in into the divide is one way and one way only. And let me tell you something, there is many whose faith they say that they're saved and that they know Jesus Christ but they have truly not repented of their sins. They have truly not accepted Him into their life. And I can tell you that a justified people will always become a sanctified people. If you are truly a person that has been justified by your faith, it's going to translate over to your life being sanctified. When you said yes to Jesus Christ, there's going to be a change about you. We say it all the time that salvation will tell on you. You are going to live. You are going to become a sanctified person, a person that is set apart for sacred use. You are now a vessel there for the Lord to use to flow through and that he's ever continuously changing. And again, it's all done through the power of the Holy Spirit. So again, there's no amount of good works that you do that will save you or make you holy in the eyes of God. Works do nothing more but glorify flesh. But faith being properly anchored in Christ and the cross glorifies God. That's where God receives the glory. By faith anchored in Christ and what he has done. Outside of that, when one tries to work their way into heaven, it glorifies flesh. Look what I have done. There will be many on that day, the Bible says, that we're not say, Lord, Lord, did I not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? They claim the name of Jesus. Look all around you. Everybody now is a Christian. Everybody says that they're saved. Everybody claims to know Jesus Christ. Every, but they really don't know him. They've not truly received forgiveness. They're not really in relationship. They toss his name around just like it's nothing. But the name of Jesus is so powerful and sacred. But when he said that he would look at them and say, depart from me for I never knew you. Meaning they, there was never relationship there. They wasn't justified there. They tried to work their way in. They thought that doing being a member of a church, they thought going to church three times a week or, or by paying their tithes or showing up for this or for doing that would make them right and be accepted in the eyes of God, but it doesn't. It's only faith in Christ and what is done, okay? And our failure does not affect our salvation. Hear me. Our failure does not affect our salvation. If your salvation was based upon your performance, then I'm afraid that none of us would be saved today. Our salvation is predicated again upon the complete and perfect work of Christ. When one fails the Lord, one is not kicked out of the kingdom of God. One is not kicked out of the family of God. One has not said, okay, that's it. you're done. If that be the case, there would be one more big eraser that God has up in heaven constantly erasing our names out of the Lamb's book of life. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Our failure it does not affect our salvation, okay? For failure to nullify one of salvation means that blood, the blood of Jesus was not enough. We say it all the time, the blood of Jesus, again, cleanses and washes from past, present, and future sin. So if my failure affects my salvation and my standing with the Lord, then that means we're, the blood of Jesus is not powerful enough and did not take away all sin. Either it take, took away all sin or it doesn't take away all sin. See, an act of failure doesn't eliminate justification, only an act of failure of faith elimination. Why do you think when Jesus looked at Peter, Peter was already saved and, and, and everything? And and, and uh, the Lord looked to him and said, uh, "Peter, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith." Fail not. He didn't say that you don't fail. He knew Peter was going to fail. He knows you and I are going to fail. It's not a matter of if we fail. It's a matter of when we fail. But what he's praying for us and ever interceding on our behalf is that our faith don't fail. He knows we're going to fail. We're going to continuously come up short of the glory of God. But as long as our faith is anchored in Christ and what he's done, we are a justified people and we are going into uh, glory. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that we have a license to sin, and I'm not saying that we as the Christian folks are going around to live any kind of way we want to live. Paul said, God forbid. Shall we continue in sin that grace abound? about? No. We, we want to live a life of, of righteousness and, and, and a holiness there. We want to obey the commandments of God, but we know we're going to fall short. Because we're living in a world of sin. We're here as foreigners or pilgrims upon the journey. And we're going to fall. we still got the presence of the sin nature within inside of us. But one day when we get to heaven and we receive our glorified bodies, the presence of sin is going to be taken away. That's why there's no sin up there. Because the sin nature will not exist in heaven. Because our bodies are not going to be made up of flesh and blood. But a glorified body of the spirit. Amen? So only an act of failure of faith will nullify this justification. One that ceases to believe that Christ is the son of the living God. One that ceases to believe that the cross is the only way. One that ceases to believe that it's only through the blood. Those are the ones that have backslid, that loses that, that justification, that, that that eternal life that is guaranteed to us. Our failures... Again, does not affect our salvation, does not affect our eternal life. Again, we should repent of our sin. It should grieve our hearts when we fail the Lord. But again, it's not us. It's not based off of our performance. It's based off of the performance of Jesus Christ and our faith anchored in what he's done. I can say this real quick. Romans 6.3, know you not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized unto his death. So again, when you were said yes to Jesus Christ at the mind of God, you were baptized into his death. You died with him that day. You, buried with, you was buried with him that day. And you rose up with him that day. And as Jesus rose up, you and I, when we got saved, we rose up in newness of life. Victorious. Amen. There's nothing, anything that's any better than that. Okay, Okay, so the old things have passed away. The old man that that was vile, that was sinful, that was filthy is now dead. And a new man has come forth that is perfect, holy, and righteous, but it's in Christ Jesus. That's why we have to, we ever say it, that it's through Christ and in Christ. Paul said it throughout his epistles, in Christ and through Christ ever reminding us. That our salvation, our standing with God is not on anything that we've done, but it's all because of who we are in. So faith properly anchored in Christ is what justifies us in the eyes of God. Faith says it is done. Religion says there is more to do. Faith says it's done. Religion says it's more to do. Faith anchored in Christ and what he's done and believing when he said it is finished, But that says it is done. I believe in Christ. I believe in what he's done. I believe that his blood is enough. It's done. It's finished. That's it and that's all. But religion says there's more to do. So when we start saying that, that yes, it's salvation by the blood, but you also got to live by the law. We are adding worse. That's religion. That said, well, there's more to do. That the blood was not enough. God forbid that we would say that. That we would think that. That we would live our lives like that. That we would point people in that direction. Faith says it's done. Religion says there's more to do. It's done. Faith in Christ and what he's done. We can walk out of here. I mean, just our heads held up high. It's done. It's done, our eternity has been bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, amen. I don't have to do anything today. You don't have to do anything tonight except simply believe. It's that simple. Faith anchored in Christ and what he's done guarantees you, again, that spotless righteousness and that one day will grant you that, that privilege to be able to walk into the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. Let's stand our feet tonight. We're We're not by a few minutes, so. Let's just close out um, tonight with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you again tonight for your word that has went forth. Lord, we thank you that we are justified tonight. That, Lord, when you see us, you see the blood of your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we are so thankful tonight, Lord, that our sins have been washed away, Lord. And that, God, we can walk out of here with our head held up high, Lord. And I pray, God, let us ever look to you, Lord. Let us never take our eyes off of the sacrifice. Let us never take our eyes off of Calvary, Lord. But let Let us us ever be reminded, Lord, that that is where mercy and grace kiss that day, Lord. Lord, and God granted us, to us a new life. Lord, we are so thankful for all that you've done. we thankful for all that you are doing, Lord. And we are thankful for what you are going to do, Lord. Be with your people tonight as they go their separate ways, Lord. And Lord, bring us all back together at to the appointed hour. And we'll forever give you praise for it all. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen and Amen. We love you and be blessed.